coming to you from deep inside the bowels of a great big empty. Get ready for another episode of The Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. Hello, American families. Welcome to this week's episode of The Home Defense Show. I'm your host, Skip Coriel. And if you love your family, care about them deeply, and want to learn how to protect them in every facet of your life, then you've come to the right place. We have a really good show for you today. We have got a special guest on today. I'm not even going to tell you his name yet, uh, but you will probably recognize his name. Boy, if you don't recognize his name, you'll certainly recognize the name of this church, Sutherland Springs Baptist Church in Texas. So we're going to have a, a great interview. It's a long interview. It's about 40 minutes, 42 minutes. And boy, this man told his story and I let it run uh, rather than break for the segment. I just ran it all in one segment because I just, I didn't have the heart to stop him. He was on a roll and I just thought it's better to have a commercial free interview uh, this particular time around. So uh, let me uh, go ahead and, and read, if you go to Wikipedia here, type in in the search bar, Sutherland Springs Church Shooting. It will say this, the Sutherland Springs Church Shooting occurred on November 5, 2017, when, uh, I'm not even going to say the shooter's name, of New Braunfels, Texas, fatally shot 26 people and wounded 20 others during a mass shooting at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, a teeny tiny little town in Texas. The attack was the deadliest mass shooting in Texas and the fifth deadliest mass shooting in the United States. It was the deadliest shooting in an American place of worship in modern history, surpassing the Charleston Church shooting of 2015 and the Waddell Buddhist Temple shooting of 1991. The shooter was prohibited by law from purchasing or possessing firearms and ammunition due to a domestic violence conviction in a court-martial while in the U.S. Air Force. The Air Force failed to record the conviction in the FBI uh, NICS database, which is used by the NICS system to flag prohibited purchases. The error prompted the Air Force to begin a review. I would certainly hope so. A few minutes after 11 a.m., the shooter arrived in a pearl-white Ford Explorer SUV at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. Around 11.20 a.m., the shooter stepped out of the SUV wearing black tactical gear, a ballistic vest, and a black face mask featuring a white skull and wielding a Ruger AR 5.56 semi-automatic rifle. He approached the church from the right, opening fire on and killing two people outside the church and continuing to fire on the building itself. He then entered through a right side door where worshipers were attending regular Sunday service. Inside, he yelled, Everybody dies, mother effers, as he proceeded up and down the center aisle and shot at people in the pews. Police found 15 empty magazines capable of holding 30 rounds each. Authorities say the shooter fired approximately 700 rounds during the estimated 11-minute-long shooting. According to investigators, a shooting was captured on a camera set up at the back of the church to record regular services for uploading online. The footage shows the shooter methodically shooting the victims, pausing only to reload his rifle. The shooter was then confronted by and traded fire with, here's the name, Stephen Williford, a local resident and former NRA firearms instructor who was armed with an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle. 
All right, and that's all I'm going to read on that, uh, simply because we're going to have Stephen Williford come on uh, in the next segment. He's going to tell us the story in his own words uh, from his perspective, and i got to tell you, folks, I was blown away by this story. I mean, it's one thing to read about it on Wikipedia, in a news article, or to hear about it on TV or radio news, but it's quite different to hear it from the person's actual mouth, uh, you know, the way it went down. It just adds a human element, an emotional element that you can't get from print. So, boy, in this next uh, segment, we're going to have Stephen Williford, the uh, hero of Sutherland Springs uh, Baptist Church. He's going to tell the story in his own words. Again, it's 42 minutes, so go out and get yourself, uh, you know, a, a Diet Coke or ice water, tea, coffee, whatever your uh, caffeine of choice is, and get yourself seated, because it's a long interview, but it'll seem like like no time at all. Okay, I'm going to cut it short here, and we're going to go to the interview here in the next segment, because it's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. There's nothing more I can say about it. All right, this is Skip Coyle on Home Defense Show. We're out of time for this segment, but while we're away, uh, go ahead and check out firearmslegal.com slash Midwest Tactical and also Centershot Indoor Gun Range centershotgunrange.com where it's always a perfect 70 degrees this is Skip Coriel and Home Defense Show don't go anywhere, we will be right back welcome to the Home Defense Show with my dad Skip Coriel, don't go nowhere we'll be right back Wouldn't it be wonderful if life was like the movies and the good guys always won? In today's world, if you're forced to use your firearm to protect yourself, you will need protection. Firearms Legal Protection is here for you. FLP provides you with seasoned, experienced attorneys that handle your criminal and civil matters as a result of you protecting yourself. FirearmsLegal.com provides its members with uncapped attorney's fees, bail bond protection, and coverage in all 50 states. We are not a reimbursement plan. You can access uncapped attorney's fees for as low as $10 a month. Firearms Legal members are provided with educational services, training videos, and access to our vast national attorney network. While you're protecting yourself, let Firearms Legal protect you. Listen up, folks. This is important. There are plenty of legal protection services out there, but none will protect you as well as Firearms Legal Protection. This is the one I use and the only one I recommend. Visit firearmslegal.com slash Midwest Tactical and protect your family now. Hey folks, I want to tell you about my book, Civilian Combat, the Concealed Carry Book. More and more people across the country are seeing the dangers in society and are deciding to carry concealed to protect themselves and their families. My new book lays it out step by step. It'll teach you how to protect and defend the ones you love. Get the benefit of 19 years of teaching experience and a lifetime of training for this important role in society and in your family. You can get Civilian Combat real easy. Just go to Amazon.com, search on Skip Coriel Civilian Combat, and it'll pop right up there. Don't put it off any longer. Get Civilian Combat, the concealed carry book by yours truly, Skip Coriel. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel. Today, we are speaking with a a very special uh, guest out of uh, the great state of Texas, Stephen Williford. Stephen, uh, welcome to the Home Defense Show. Thank you for having me on, Skip. Hey, not a problem. You know, we had some technical difficulties, but I think we got it worked out right now, so everything should be smooth sailing. Uh, Stephen, you know, I I think most of my uh, listeners will recognize your name, 
and they'll certainly recognize the name Sutherland Springs, uh, Texas. So, but just for uh, the newcomers, people who are new to the Second Amendment activism crowd, uh, can you just give us a, a brief biography of, you know, who is Stephen Williford? Well, I was I grew up here in the same little community. Uh, I'm fourth generation here. I uh, grew up on a dairy. Um, grew up with strong background, Christian values, and uh, community. The sense of community is everything here. Uh, we're we're like Mayberry, USA, and uh, <laughs> I have stories all the way back from my great grandfather dealing with uh, this community and helping them through the depression. And as a young man, <clears throat> I had my great-grandparents until I was in my 20s. So as a young man, he would take me around the community delivering food baskets to people in need. And uh, again, I guess that's my biography. That's who I am. I, I married and I, I married a woman from um, St. Louis, Missouri, mm-hmm. and I a city I girl. She, I yeah, she but she had country mindset and values. Uh, I tell people I had to find someone all the way from St. Louis, Missouri, so my family tree would branch. <laughs> well, you don't want to be marrying your cousins there, do you, do you Stephen? Well, and, and that's kind of the way it is here in Wilson County, is I'm, I'm related to so many people, you know. Yeah. As I was growing up, I'd find a girl I was interested in, and Mom would say, oh, no, no, she's your third cousin's um, niece or something. <laughs> yes, and she has six toes on both feet. You, <laughs> but, you can't but, have that. <laughs> yeah, but I love my community, and, and again, I would never want to ever live any place other than Sutherland Springs, Texas. People say, uh, you know, it's it's amazing how your community pulled together after this incident. You know, uh, Sutherland Springs, we have less than 600 people total. Wow. And uh, 57 of them were in the church that day. And 26 people died in the church. 20 more were wounded. And only seven people walked out without a gunshot wound. Uh, 53 people. And only seven people walked out without a gunshot wound. If you can imagine the community, everyone knew someone. Yep. that was affected by this and uh and yet we pulled together and and they say how you know uh i i i want to tell people that november 5th 2017 didn't define who sutherland springs was instead it shined a spotlight on my community to let the rest of the world know who we were already yeah well that's that's good news. Uh, Stephen, the Sutherland Springs Church, what, what's the, the situation there now? Have they recovered? Are they still functioning? What happened to the church? Well, I believe that God um, can take something so tragic and work it for his glory. Uh, the Sutherland Springs Church, we're, we're still hurting, obviously. I don't know that we will ever 
ever totally recover from the, the beautiful souls that we lost that day. But we have gone from a church of 53 people to now almost 200 every Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Wow. We are experiencing growth and rebirth, um, and um, we are working for God's will. Yeah. We, we get people tell us, you know, we get messages from all around the world because we live stream our services, and people from Africa are watching us. Oh, wow. Little bitty Sutherland Springs, we have had the ability to reach out uh, worldwide because of this. Well, you know, Stephen, what that reminds me of, uh, the story of uh, Joseph uh, in the Old Testament, you know, where he was talking about, talking to his brothers, how they had sold him into slavery, into bondage, and he, he went to Egypt and ended up being second to Pharaoh. And when he was finally facing his brothers again, he says, listen, I forgive you for what you did. You know, Satan meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And boy, you know, it's funny how God can take something evil and he can uh, squeeze some good out of it. And it sounds like that's exactly what's happened in Sutherland Springs, Texas. It is. It is. It's what's happened in Sutherland Springs. It's what's happened with me. I go around the nation now and I speak to churches and I help them set up safety response teams. I do speeches. I spoke before crowds of 70,000 and 100,000 people before. And uh, on November 4th, 2017, you couldn't say that, could you? Oh, no. (laughs) On November 4th, 2017, I, I... I would have told you the worst fear I have is standing before a crowd. <laughs> it helps to have a message, doesn't it? It does. Uh, Donald Trump invited me out to, to the stage to speak, and I spoke before 70,000 people at the NRA convention la- uh, last year. Oh, that is, that's just awesome. With uh, the president standing behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not just a plumber anymore, are you? Uh, I am not. I I have kept my plumbing license and stuff, but uh, I've gone all the way to the Arctic Circle to speak to the native Alaskans about Christ. And what an honor that has been. Wow. That's that's just awesome, Stephen. Now, you know, tell us a little bit. uh, Well, first, uh, why don't you tell us the story uh, that morning on November 5th, 2017. Uh, What exactly happened from your point of view on november 5th 2017 i stayed at home that day instead of going to church like i normally would have and the reason i stayed at home is um i was going to start my on call uh, at the hospital where i worked and what that meant is i would have to carry a pager home with me and i would have to set be ready to run uh, 24-7 for the next week. Uh, And it could happen at 2 o'clock in the morning or whenever. I would have have to get up out of bed. I had 10 minutes to answer the page and to call in, and then an hour to be at the hospital. And my house was almost exactly an hour from where I worked. So uh, at any given moment, I, I would have to run. Wow. And, uh, so I decided, because I knew that I would be working probably 
20 hours extra that week. Uh, so I told my wife when we got up in the morning, look, I'm, I'm not going to church. We normally drove in to San Antonio to church, which was about 40 miles away. And we normally drove into church, and I said, no, I'm just going to stay here at the house and relax because tomorrow is going to start a uh, tough week. And so she decided she would go work on my daughter's house. We were building our, our daughter's house down the road, my younger daughter. And uh, we were doing everything on it. And we were at the point where we were taping and floating the walls. And my wife said, I'm going to go work on Rachel's house. And so she went down there with my daughter that was pregnant and her husband uh, and started working on their house. And my older daughter was living with me at the time because she was engaged to be married. And uh, she didn't want to pay for another contract for an apartment and then get married and have an, be stuck in a contract. She wanted to be able to move in with her husband. So she moved in with us instead of doing another contract for the apartment. And uh, if you're going to live with us and... You're going to have chores. So she was doing dishes that morning. Yeah. And uh, I was hanging out in my room relaxing. And she came into the room and said, Dad, that sounds like gunfire to me. And right away I said, it sounds like someone tapping at the window. Because your mind wants to make it into something that is normal. Yeah. When something very abnormal is happening, it's called denial. And the quicker you get out of denial, the better you'll be. Mm-hmm. So she said, come into the kitchen. I went into the kitchen where it's less insulation. And I told her right away, it's gunfire. And she ran out the door, got in her car, and drove up the block to see what was going on. I ran to my safe. I grabbed my rifle out of the safe. I grabbed a magazine, and I started loading it. A box of ammunition, I started loading. And I called my wife. I said, where are you at? She said... I'm at Rachel's house, taping and floating the walls, and she could hear the panic in my voice. She said, what's going on? I said, church. And she said, don't go over there, and I hung up on her. Mm -hmm. And my daughter came in, and I'm poking around. I just grabbed a handful of ammunition, and I'm shoving ammunition in a magazine. And she came in and said, Dad, she said, there is a guy in black tactical gear shooting up the church she said oh i saw him shooting through the doors and he walked in the doors <clears throat> and i said did you call 911 she said i did they're aware of it so right away that tells me police are on their way but my community couldn't wait there's no telling how long in a small community in the middle of nowhere how far out police are so I ran out the door, and when I did, she followed me out the door again. And I, I knew she couldn't follow me over there. So I turned and I looked at her, and I said, go back in the house. Load me another magazine. I knew she couldn't load me a magazine and come running out and hand me a magazine in a gunfight. I knew she couldn't. But I told her that to send her back in the house to do busy work. Right. This is an AR-15 magazine we're talking about? AR-15, yes. So I sent her back in the house to do busy work. And as I ran across the street, I believe the Holy Spirit was 
totally over me and controlling everything, even my thought to send her back in the house. I didn't want her to follow me over there because I didn't want her to be a distraction. He already had too many targets that I, I cared for deeply. Yeah. How far away was it, uh, Stephen? From my front door to the front door of the church, and now it's around a corner and across the street, but it's about a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. So as I ran, I was about halfway there, and I cried out real loud. And my daughter in the house heard me yell, and the people in the church heard me yell, and the shooter heard me yell. I'm going to tell you, I don't have a battle cry. I believe that that was God calling the demon out in in him and calling him out of the church. He had just shot Chris Workman in the back, and Chris was instantly paralyzed from the waist down. He shot Chris's mother through the breast, and he was walking over like he had done everybody else to finish them off. And he heard me cry out, in that moment, it would have taken him another two seconds to finish Chris and his mother off. At that moment, when he heard me cry out, he came out of the church building shooting at me. Mm-hmm. And he hit the truck in front of me. He hit the, shattered the windshield of the car behind me, and he put bullets in the house behind me. And when he came out of the church coming toward me, he had on Class 3 body armor. For your listeners that don't know what Class 3 is, Class 2 body armor is what police usually carry. And Class 2 body armor will stop pistol rounds. Mm -hmm. But they won't stop rifle rounds. Class 3 body armor is like what the military has, and it will stop bullet rounds. Oh, rifle rounds, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I hit him, according to the coroner's report, I hit him in the left chest. I hit him in the abdomen. And then uh, he stopped firing at me at that moment. Though, of course, the coroner's report said that they had contusions there. Mm-hmm. It didn't penetrate the body armor, but it bruised him. And he stopped shooting at me at that moment and started running for his vehicle. His vehicle was sitting in the middle of the road with the driver's side door open and the engine running. He ran for his vehicle, and when he turned to get in his vehicle, I saw where the plates velcroed across the side. Yeah. Uh, the, the front plate has a front plate, has a back plate, and it velcros across the side. When he turned to his side, I put one high in his side. And I put one high in his legs. Mm-hmm. How far away w- w- uh, were you at that time, Stephen? About 20 yards. Okay. And he was able to get in his vehicle, and he put two more rounds through the side window. And I I saw those holes open up in the glass falling. Everything was in such slow motion. And I put one, I couldn't see him through the reflection of the window. But I put one where I perceived his head to be, and when I fired off, the whole windshield, or the whole side window shattered. The, the pistol rounds just opened up two little holes 
my AR-15 shattered the windshield, mm-hmm. accelerated, and ran around the corner. Coroner's report said he had an abrasion all the way across his forehead. Wow. Uh, and he had on had on a uh, SWAT-style helmet also that was bulletproof. So I, I hit him right across the forehead, which he had a low shield, uh, a dark tinted shield. So that, pu- that bullet really just creased his forehead. And uh, he accelerated and turned the corner and, and was running just as fast as that car. It was a, a Ford Explorer. And uh, he was accelerating just as fast as it could go away. I ran out from behind the truck that I was using for cover and ran out into the middle of the street. And I put one more bullet through the back windshield. And the back windshield shattered. Police say that that went through the back window. It went through the driver's side seat and it hit him just right of the left shoulder blade at about 150 yards away and, and accelerating. That's a good shot. And and I looked around and thinking it can't end this way. It just can't end this way. And I looked around, looked to the left, and there was a truck sitting there at the stop sign. And it had that truck had sat there during the whole shootout. And I looked, and there's a man sitting behind the wheel with his phone in his hand, talking on the phone. I ran over and I tapped on the window. I said, that man just shot up the, the Baptist church and we have to stop him. And the next thing I could hear was the locks come open on the door. And I climbed in the cab. Any any sane person in this world would have just accelerated. And <laughs> you're right. You're right. But this is Texas we're talking about. That's we're right. Sanity. <laughs> we're known for a lot of things. Sanity's not one of them. Right. <laughs> So I climbed into the cab, and, and he never said a word. He just accelerated, turned the corner, and started running down the road in the direction. We didn't even see the guy anymore. Mm-hmm. But he just started accelerating and running down the road in the direction. We ran across 87, which is the main thoroughway from San Antonio to Corpus Christi. And, and he ran across that highway without even slowing down or anything, without even looking. And we blasted across, and we gave chase, and it became evident that he was on the phone with 911, and they had put him straight through to dispatch, because we were in in route, because mm-hmm. he was talking to him, And I took that moment to drop my magazine out of my rifle to see how many rounds I had, because I didn't even know how many I had shot. I didn't know how many I had loaded or anything. It turned out I had two rounds left, one in the, the top of the magazine, one in the chamber. And I looked and I told him, I said, tell them, hurry, hurry. I have two rounds left, and he still got on Class Three body armor. And uh, we're blasting down the road, and I clicked that magazine up thinking this is going to have to be good. Because... The only thing I could imagine is at the end of this car chase is going to be another gunfight. And I only had two rounds left. Yeah. And we're crossing crossroads and and we're telling them on the phone. He Johnny's telling them on the phone 
as we go past a crossroad where we are. We're splitting traffic. We're doing, Johnny said, over 95 miles per hour. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. And finally, we came within view of him again, and I said, that's him. That's it. As it was a gray SUV, the back windshield was shattered out of it. That's him. We're catching him. And I looked, and again, I didn't even know Johnny's name at the time. And I looked over there. I see this long, tall Texan. He's probably 6'3", got on kind of a gray western hat with a feather on it, sticking out of it, a toothpick hanging out of his mouth, a longhorn skull tattooed in the center of his neck, and the horns run up all the way up underneath his ears. Oh, my gosh. If you can picture that and I turned and I looked at him and I said I said you know if you catch him you're going to have to stop him and he turns and looks at me and the very first words out of his mouth to me was yep I already figured that and I'm thinking oh my god who am I writing with (laughs) and Donnie's probably thinking man I always wanted to try a pit maneuver yeah (laughs) So we start catching him, and I'm thinking the only reason we should be catching him is if my bullets made a difference. Mm-hmm. And he pulled off to the to the right-hand side of the road, off into the bar ditch with a road sign in front of him and stopped. And I thought, oh, this is it. Passenger side window, I put it down, and I stuck the rifle out that window, I grabbed the door handle with my left hand and opened the door and kind of pushed it open. And I was going to step out using the door as a shield and and re-engage him. And before my foot hit the ground, he accelerated. He hit, hit that sign in front of him, flipped over the, the top of the vehicle, and ran right back up on the road. And Johnny accelerated, barely giving me time enough to pull my foot back in the the truck. And we chased him another three-quarters of a mile up the road. And this time, he went off to the left-hand side of the road, left a curb, went off to the left-hand side of the road, through a, a, a fence, and about 50 yards out into a field and stopped. And I told Johnny, I said, just get down below the dash, stay out of gunfight, the gunfight. And I got out, and I put my rifle over the hood of the truck and started yelling rude obscenities. I was very angry. (laughs) And uh, Johnny did whatever millennial in this world would do. He got out of his truck videotaping me with his phone. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. I thought, really? <laughs> this is what you want to do? <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so, we uh, sat there for another five to seven minutes. And I'm thinking, where are the police? Where are the police? It took five to seven minutes, and I hear up the road and I was focused on my sights and focused on the side window of the driver's side I couldn't see into the vehicle because of the angle it was parked and I heard 
someone come on a PA system and he said, driver, get out of your vehicle with your hands up. I turned to my left and about 50 yards up the road from me was a police cruiser stopped. And the police officer was behind his door with his pistol in his right hand and a microphone in his left hand. And he said it again. He said, driver, get out of the vehicle with your hands up. And I've taught self-defense courses for over 20 years. And I know when the police arrive, comply, comply, comply. So I laid my rifle on the hood of the truck and I put both hands over my head, palms out toward him and started walking to the back of the truck. And he made eye contact with me. And he looked at me, he keyed the mic, he said, not you. <laughs> he needed you at that point, Stephen. <laughs> at that point, he needed me, and he knew that I still had a tactical advantage, even with two rounds. Mm -hmm. I was—I had a rifle. I was fifty yards from the guy, and he was seven uh, hundred yards from him, and he had a pistol. Right. He knew I still had a tactical advantage, so I scrambled back to the front of the truck, and I put my rifle back on and I sat there for another five to seven minutes probably another five minutes this time and finally officers started showing up and just a whole bunch of them and they started pulling out rifles of their own out of their own cars and I'm like no I'm done now for sure and so I pulled my rifle off the hood this time and I put it on the back of the, the toolbox of the truck and November 5th 2017 it was 90 degrees that day and I had not put any shoes on oh my. so I was standing on hot pavement and I was trying to put my feet in the the shade of the truck and another 30 minutes I sat there back at the truck and they had that police line another 50 yards up the road and I'm finally thinking okay surely he's bled to death by now and uh, so I started to run back to the police line, and they they said, "Stop, stop, stop! We'll send we'll send up a cruiser." And they sent up a police cruiser for me to uh, get behind when and run back to the police line with, you know, to use it for for cover in case he did come out shooting. So um, then I get back to the police line, and my feet are just baking. And I could look up the road, and by that time, I could see that my wife had come up to the other. They had stopped all the traffic about 200 yards up the road from where I was, and I could see my wife's car there. And I first I asked the police officer, I said, can I, can I call my wife? And he said, sure. And I said, and he kept walking. I said, no, can I use your phone? He said, what, you don't have a phone? I looked down at my feet. I said, I don't have shoes on. <laughs> Phone was the last thing I was worried about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he allowed me to call my wife, and I called my wife, and she said, you can have my Crocs. Well, her, her Crocs left my heels sticking over the edge about an inch and a half, but I still didn't have them. Mm -hmm. And I asked the officer, I said, can I, can I run back to the car and get my wife's Crocs? I need, you know, pavement's hot and he said no you need to stay here but he, he said and then he opened up the, the the 
back door of his police cruiser. He said, but you can sit in the back of my car. And I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Stay out of the back of the police cruiser. <laughs> you know, I figured I was going to be arrested at some point, but I was going <laughs> to make them put me in. Right. I was going to get in voluntarily. Oh, well, here, just shut the door. No. <laughs> I figured I was going to go to jail, but uh, I did. I absolutely did not want to volunteer my services to climb in the back of his police cruiser. I said, "No, I'm good," and so I, And then I figured out why they were waiting. Uh, they uh, they were bringing in a drone to fly it over and take a look, and they flew the drone over. And they found out that the guy had committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I never heard the shot or anything, but they said that he had called his wife and his father and said he had done something horrible and said he had been shot multiple times and was not going to make it, and he turned the gun on himself and killed himself. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I... Um, would like to talk a little bit about uh, some of the people in the church because people don't get what happened in that church. The moment the uh, shooter had left, I had alluded to earlier that Julie Workman had been shot through the breast and her son got shot in the back and was paralyzed. The moment the shooter left, Julie got up and looked and saw a little five-year-old girl that had been happily swinging below Julie's legs just before the shooting started, and she was dead, and Julie started screaming. Gunny Macias was a retired Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Gunny Macias was shot five times in the abdomen. He couldn't even stand up. And he barked at Julie using that Marine bark. He said, Julie, none of this took God by surprise. You were created for this moment. We need you. And he barked at her and got her out of her mindset. And still bleeding from her own wounds, she started tying tourniquets and saving lives in the church and the first young man she came to was Zach Poston Zach Poston was a 17 year old young man he was a senior in high school he was signed up on the delayed entry for the Marines himself he'd got shot seven times through the arms through the legs and in the torso and Zach couldn't stand up and when Zach got shot seven times his grandmother crawled on top of him and the shooter shot and killed her on top of Zach saving Zach's life Julie started tying those tourniquets Gunny Macias and again Gunny Gunny knows nobody seems to really know Gunny's first name they just call him Gunny he's a marine through and through mm -hmm. Gunny built it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even in this, praise God. And then a little seven-year-old girl came up crying and said, Gunny, I'm scared. And Gunny started singing, Jesus loves me with her. What a Marine. Yeah. What a man. And uh, then 
Hank Farner was the first police officer on the scene. He came running in with his AR-15 ready to do battle. Hank's one of them men that don't ever seem to look like they grow old. He's a true warrior. He came running in ready to do battle. And then when he saw that the shooter was gone, Hank for years had been serving the police department and buying trauma kits and putting them in his car out of his own pocket. Hmm. Out of his own pocket because the police department doesn't supply those things. And people would say, why are you spending so much money on trauma kits? Are you expecting something? And Hank said, you never know when you might need them. Yeah. And that day he was able to run back out to his car, open up the trunk and distribute trauma, trauma kits and go back in and start tying tourniquets and saving lives himself. Hank's a true hero. And we already talked about Johnny and the fact that he could have just driven on and said, it's not my problem. And yet Johnny let me, never had met me before in his life, let me in his truck and gave chase to someone. Even after he knew I only had two rounds left, Johnny was still in the chase. The hospital I worked for, University Hospital, they were having a mass shooting drill that day. And they had called all the doctors and nurses in for a drill. All the doctors and nurses were complaining and saying, why are we here for a drill? We could be spending time with our families at church, and we're here for a drill on a Sunday. You could have a drill any other day. Why have you chose a Sunday? And then the real call happened. And if you cannot see God's hand in this, you're willfully ignoring the truth. Yeah. Sounds like it could have been a lot worse than it was. It could have been a lot worse than it was. Because they were all there, they were able to bring all 20 ORs up and running before the first victim showed up at university. Hmm. There's no mistake there. Yeah. There's no coincidence there. There's a greater power working there that that saw this happening yeah yeah you've uh i'm kind of somber right now uh steven uh i'm a marine too you you almost made me cry there uh, Oorah. second Oorah, yes. Oorah. <laughs> i'm gonna I'll tell you i i made the mistake one time so, so you were a marine huh gunny you said no it's a, it's a marine always a marine That's I, right. <laughs> I got the highest respect for gunny you can't even imagine so gunny survived he survived he's still an active member of our church he's walking and talking he's he's a good man that's awesome uh what about the uh the the man who was in the delayed entry program uh, was shot. Uh, did he survive? He survived. Unfortunately, the Marines don't want him because he's he had his whole life planned out for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Marines don't want him because he's got pins and screws and plates holding himself. Me personally, 
I, I think, man, he just proved he is a Marine. How, yeah. how durable do you, what do you want in a Marine to be That's able to right. shot seven times and come back? Yeah. You know? Um, I, I just kind of feel like he should be a Marine. <laughs> yeah, well, he's already been in combat. He's already been in combat and showed he could survive it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Chris Workman, right now I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to raise money to, to, uh, build Chris Workman a home. Um, uh, and, uh, we want to build him a handicap accessible home. And, uh, we've, we've got a event planned. Um, it's supposed to be April 26th that this whole shutdown would go away. Uh, we got five bands coming. They're going to be playing at Texas Pride Barbecue, which has been on the Food Network before. <coughs> we've got <clears throat> live auction items, and we've got silent auction items. And uh, it's supposed to be from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. We even have a guitar that we are sending to try to get George Strait to sign the guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a Harley Davidson that somebody donated. Uh, we we got a tall order. We need about three hundred thousand dollars to to build Chris and Colby a home. Yeah. Uh, but Chris, they they live in a uh, trailer home now, and Chris can't even. Uh, he has to work to get in his wheelchair into his daughter's bedroom, and then he doesn't have enough room in her bedroom to turn around and. He's got a, Evie was seven years old at the time. She's now nine. Uh, and uh, we just want to make their life as close to normal as possible. Yeah. He's the praise ministry leader in the church, and he's also the youth minister in our church. And he hasn't let it stop him. He still races. He used to race a car. Now he can't race his car anymore because he has no control over his legs. So he races a cart that is all controlled with his hands. Hmm. He's in a um, paraplegic hockey league that he (laughs) plays hockey against wounded warriors and soldiers. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't let this stop him and his zeal for life. And, And he's such an inspiration. He gets... Gets up there in his wheelchair every Sunday morning. He plays his guitar and he leads the singing in the church. And uh, he's such an inspiration. We want him and his wife to be able to live as as normal of a life as possible. Yeah. Steve, Stephen, do you, is there like a, a a computer link, online link to your event that I can post with this story? If people can go to military warriors. Support Foundation, San Antonio, Texas. There is a spot on the top of, when you open that page, it says Chris Workman. Donate to Chris Workman. You can click on that directly, and it will take you to how to donate to Chris Workman. If you write a check, make sure in the memo you put Chris Workman's name in the memo. All right. Uh, so what the Military Warriors Support Foundation does, they've built over 800 homes for military wounded veterans. And That's awesome. 
they cannot help us with raising money for Chris because he wasn't a veteran. Mm -hmm. But we are using their 501c3. That way people can still get a tax a tax deduction for donating there. So you still get that tax deduction because it's going through their 501c3. And again, click up on the, the top right-hand corner. It has Donate to Chris Workman. And... Uh, and then make the checkout, and in the memo, put Chris Workman on the memo. Uh, St Stephen, this is an incredibly awesome story. I will find that link, and I'll include it with the show. I'll put it on my website, help out uh, wherever we can. But, you know, from listening to your story, it's very sad, it's very somber, but it's also incredibly inspiring. And this, the aftermath of all this, and even during during it, while it was happening... It was basically a story of courage by not just you, but by a whole lot of people across the board. There were a lot of heroes that day. There were a lot of heroes that day. I, I, I can't, you know, people try to call me a hero, and I tell them, no, I'm a survivor. What makes me different from the people in that church? I was shot at. I lost people that I cared greatly about. I'm a survivor just like they are. The difference between me and them is, is I carried out the trash. Yeah. That's the only difference between me and them, is I took out the trash. Well, Stephen, we are about out of time uh, for today. But is there uh, a place where people can go to find out uh, more about you, your ministry, and, and what you're doing now? StephenWilliford.com and that's spelled uh, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-W-I-L-L-E-F-O-R-D.com. And you can book me for speaking there. You can, you can uh, go see some of the... Uh, you can go see the speech that I did with the president standing behind me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, Stephen, we are out of time now, but I want to... Thank you very, very much for uh, you know what you did uh, for Sutherland Springs, uh, for all those people there, all your friends, uh, your family, and thank you very much for being on the Home Defense Show today. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Okay, folks, this is Skip Coriel on the Home Defense Show. We're out of time now. We're going to take a two-minute break. While we're away, go ahead and check out our sponsors, firearmslegal.com slash Tactical, and then also check out Center Shot Indoor Gun Range, centershotgunrange.com, where it's always a perfect 70 degrees. This is Skip Coriel on Home Defense Show. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back. This is Phoenix Coriel on the Home Defense Show. Always use guns safely and wisely. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Would you like to take your tactical and marksmanship training to the next level? If the answer is yes, you need to check out Center Shot Indoor Gun Range just south of Grand Rapids, conveniently located off US-131. Center Shot is one of the most advanced firing ranges in Michigan. Center Shot firing lanes have nearly 100 customizable shooting programs to make you better no matter what your skill level. Our advanced lanes allow a more immersive training experience to enhance your senses. Controlled lighting and target movement mean that you get the best practice and most fun out of CenterShot Indoor Gun Range. Memberships are available for as low as $150. CenterShot also offers a 10% discount to U.S. military veterans. 
So, no matter what the weather, hot, cold, or in between, CenterShot Indoor Gun Range is always a perfect 70 degrees. This is where I train every week, and so should you. Find out more by going to centershotgunrange.com or call them at 616-371-7468. Stay safe, and I'll see you at CenterShot Indoor Gun Range. Hey folks, I want to tell you about my new book, Concealed Carry for Christians. More and more people across the country are seeing the dangers in society and are deciding to carry concealed to protect themselves and your family, and that includes people of faith. Our churches are not as safe as they used to be, and that's why I included chapters on forming church safety teams and stopping mass shooters. You can get Concealed Carry for Christians real easy. Just go to Amazon.com, search on Skip Coriel, Concealed Carry for Christians, and it'll pop right up there. Don't put it off any longer. Get Concealed Carry for Christians by yours truly, Skip Coriel. Welcome to my dad's home defense radio show. You're gonna love it. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel, Stephen Williford from Sutherland Springs, Texas. That was an awesome interview. Man, you know, and we even had a better conversation off the air. Isn't that the way it goes? But it was just awesome. I plan on staying in touch with Stephen. Uh, he's, a, he's a new friend. He's a good friend. And uh, we'll, we'll probably have him on again. So that was just awesome. You know, he talked about... He talked about the charity for Christopher Workman. Uh, again, you go to militarywarriors.org, militarywarriors.org, and then in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the name Christopher Workman. Just click on that, and you can give to that worthy charity uh, if you like. Uh, I will certainly be doing that. And then also he talked about his own website, stephenwilliford.com, stephenwilliford.com. That's uh, Stephen with a P-H, and then Williford, W-I-L-L-E-F-O-R-D dot com. All right, the coronavirus, COVID-19. You'll notice that, that Stephen coughed a few times um, during the uh, interview, and I, I just, I, I had to ask him off air. I said, uh, are, are you okay? You don't have COVID-19 or anything? He said, no, no, I'm just fine. Just have a cold. So don't worry about that. I, I have a cold as well. Is it COVID-19? Yeah, probably not. What's going to happen if it is? Well, I'm going to kick its butt. You know, I had special COVID-19 range targets made. My, uh, my son, he's uh, 23, 24 years old. Uh, he's an artist. I said, son, draw me a picture of the coronavirus, will you? And he says, what for? I said, well, I'm going to make a range target out of it so people can have something to do while they're, uh, you know, social distancing. So, um, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll include a, uh, a link to that. And uh, you can download that, print it out if you want. And, you know, you can be shooting uh, the COVID-19 virus as you're recovering or social distancing or whatever it is you want to do uh, while you're sheltering in place. All right, again, stephenwilliford.com and then militarywarriors.org. Those are all good places to be, good things to do. All right, what now? Well, I'm going to go back to sheltering in place, uh, which is a lot of work. Basically, there's not a whole lot of change for me. I've canceled a few classes simply because, well, I have to, 
uh, and it seems like the smart thing to do right now. But uh, hey, if you don't have to go out, don't go out. This is where it helps to have a range in your own backyard, which I just happen to have. I'm going to be rototilling the garden. Uh, I'm working on my new book, uh, Concealed Carry As You Age. Not that I'm aging and not that I'm old, but okay, I'm 62. I'm aging. I'm old. Whatever. It's going to be a good book. I'm working hard on that, but I got tons of things to do. Work out while you're inside. You know, you're sheltering in place, but that doesn't mean you have to go to hell in a handbasket. Go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll be on my weight machine here. I'll be on my treadmill. Hey, spring is here. Go ahead and get in shape because this whole COVID-19 thing is going to blow right past us. And a month from now, uh, you're going to want to be in shape. So go ahead and do that. I'm taking uh, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, and I'm taking, uh, oh, what, elderberry extract, uh, oh, some apple cider vinegar, uh, boy, all kinds of stuff. Uh, my wife, she takes care of me really well. I have a cold, and she's afraid that it's the coronavirus, so um, she's taking care of me really, really well. Okay, folks, that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Home Defense Show. Until next week, remember, your purpose in life is to find something greater than yourself and serve it. Always remember, God, family, country, in that order. It's important how you live, but it's equally important how you die. Your family and the ones you love need your protection, so train, always train, stay alert, stay alive. Until next week on the Home Defense Show, this is your host, Skip Coriel. God bless you, God bless your family, and God bless America. Thank you for joining us this week on The Home Defense Show. Now, get out there and protect the ones you love. We'll see you next week with more of the best in home defense. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel. Stephen Williford from Sutherland Springs, Texas. That was an awesome interview. Man, you know, and we even had a better conversation off the air. Isn't that the way it goes? But it was just awesome. I plan on staying in touch with Stephen. Uh, he's, a, he's a new friend. He's a good friend. And uh, we'll probably have him on again. So... That was just awesome. You know, he talked about he talked about the charity for Christopher Workman. Uh, again, you go to militarywarriors.org, militarywarriors.org. And then in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the name Christopher Workman. Just click on that, and you can give to that worthy charity uh, if you like. Uh, I will certainly be doing that. 
And then also he talked about his own website, stephenwilliford.com, stephenwilliford.com. That's uh, Stephen with a P-H, and then Williford, W-I-L-L-E-F-O-R-D.com. All right, the coronavirus, COVID-19. You'll notice that, that Stephen coughed a few times um, during the uh, interview, and I just, I had to ask him off air. I said, uh, are, are you okay? You don't have COVID-19 or anything. He says, no, no, I'm just fine. Just have a cold. So don't worry about that. I have a cold as well. Is it COVID-19? Yeah, probably not. What's going to happen if it is? Well, I'm going to kick its butt. You know, I had special COVID-19 range targets made. My, uh, my son, he's uh, 23, 24 years old. Uh, he's an artist. I said, son, draw me a picture of the coronavirus, will you? And he says, what for? I said, well, I'm going to make a range target out of it so people can have something to do while they're, uh, you know, social distancing. So, um, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll include a, uh, a link to that. And uh, you can download that, print it out if you want. And, you know, you can be shooting uh, the COVID-19 virus as you're recovering or social distancing or whatever it is you want to do. Uh, while you're sheltering in place. All right, again, stephenwilliford.com and then militarywarriors.org. Those are all good places to be, good things to do. All right, what now? Well, I'm going to go back to sheltering in place, uh, which is a lot of work. Basically, there's not a whole lot of change for me. I've canceled a few classes simply because, well, I have to, uh, and it seems like the smart thing to do right now. But, uh, hey, if you don't have to go out, don't go out. This is where it helps to have a range in your own backyard, which I just happen to have. I'm going to be rototilling the garden. Uh, I'm working on my new book, uh, Concealed Carry As You Age. Not that I'm aging and not that I'm old, but, okay, I'm 62. I'm aging. I'm old. Whatever. It's going to be a good book. I'm working hard on that, but I got tons of things to do. Work out while you're inside. You know, you're sheltering in place, but that doesn't mean you have to go to hell in a handbasket. Go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll be on my weight machine here. I'll be on my treadmill. Hey, spring is here. Go ahead and get in shape because this whole COVID-19 thing is going to blow right past us. And a month from now, uh, you're going to want to be in shape. So go ahead and do that. I'm taking uh, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, and I'm taking... Uh, Oh, what, elderberry extract, uh, oh, some apple cider vinegar, uh, boy, all kinds of stuff. Uh, my wife, she takes care of me really well. I have a cold, and she's afraid that it's the coronavirus, so um, she's taking care of me really, really well. Okay, folks, that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Home Defense Show. Until next week, remember, your purpose in life is to find something greater than yourself and serve it. Always remember... God, family, country, in that order. It's important how you live, but it's equally important how you die. Your family and the ones you love need your protection, so train, always train, stay alert, stay alive. Until next week on the Home Defense Show, this is your host, Skip Coriel. God bless you, God bless your family, and God bless America.